1: How we doing tonight, everybody? And welcome into this week's abbreviated version of Bears All Access. Uh, just about forty minutes before we hand it off to Bulls basketball in their season opener against Atlanta. I'm Jeff Joniak, along with broadcast partner Tom. There, Tom. Good evening. How you feeling,
2: Big Jeff? Um, and, you know, I'm excited about football, and it's kind of weird to say because at the start of the season, we hope we think we get this far, but now the Bears have gotten this far, and they in the horizon in their sights. There's a possible playoff opportunity lingering out there for them.
1: And we'll discuss all of that with Jacksonville's senior reporter, J.P. Shadrick. He'll be calling in here momentarily at 6.10. And then joined by a red-hot kicker in Cairo Santos at 6.30. And then we'll hear from some other uh News of the day, and we'll we'll get right to that, actually, because the Bears did have a walkthrough today, Tommy, and thanks again to our producer tonight, Jordan Malley at the score, and Jordan Treadup and Dan Barilli from the Bears. Uh, So walkthrough today, keep them fresh, keep them fresh. Plenty of work to get done uh, over the next couple of days, but wanted to keep them fresh today, and I got no problem with that. Uh, Just getting these guys right. No Deion Bush again, Jalen Johnson or Buster Screen in that secondary, Tommy. Foot, shoulder, and concussion protocol issues.
2: Yeah, but, you know, mentally... um the information they're able to supply to everybody, whether you're not going through the walkthrough or you're on the sideline, you still have to absorb all the information because this is not an opponent that you or I or they see very often. So it's not like you have a great deal of um, – you know of conference experience against these guys, or you see them multiple times a year just because of watching video. It's something where you almost have to become familiar with the roster because a lot of us don't know a lot about them.
1: Well, wow. certainly on the defensive side of the ball, they've had some uh, injuries, obviously, and some players that they've cleaned out of there over the years. So the big names are not here. Uh, they do have some good linebackers. We'll talk about those guys later on, but. You know, as, as we continue to, to grind on these guys, there's so many names that, frankly, I've never even heard of. A lot of undrafted rookie free agents, a lot of undrafted players and guys that have found their way to Jacksonville. And the end result right now is a 1-13 outfit that has lost 13 in a row but played six games, decided by a touchdown or less, Tommy. And that's been the hook all week. From the time the coaches' show started on Monday night or at the podium after the win over the Vikings was let's focus on making sure we take this team seriously because you've watched the tape. I've watched some of the tape. They do play hard.
2: They do. You know, it's really interesting because their last week's game against Baltimore, they gave up a safety early. They had a really bad series, bad field position that really, you know, haunted them. But then they come out in the fourth play of the game, man, they were going for it all. They were going for a double bomb on each side of both the receivers. But at the drop of um, the quarterback, uh, Minshew, he slipped. And it discombobulated the entire play. So even though they had a bad start, as soon as they came back on the field, they looked right to attack you. And they had it, but if the quarterback slipped and they prevented him from throwing the ball. So, you know, they're ready to attack if they have a setback.
1: I think the one thing we can count it, they're going to try to establish the run. Now, James Robinson, the kid out of Rockford Lutheran High School who tore it up here in the state of Illinois with record-setting high school performance and outstanding all-time rushing leader at Illinois State with 4,444 yards and 44 touchdowns. Believe it or not, that that's a true stat line there. And he's picked up right where – as an undrafted rookie, tearing it up, he's got – 1,300-plus yards from scrimmage. Now, he's got a bum ankle, has had a sore knee, not likely going to practice this week, but they think he's going to play Sunday, and why not? It's against his uh, boyhood idols, the, the Chicago Bears.
2: You know All these guys that are invited to the combine and they have all these numbers and all of a sudden they pass the eye test because there's a certain height and there's a certain weight, you can never put an x-ray of their heart. And when we look at some of these players that have gone unnoticed, Darnell Mooney, for example, some of these guys that are drafted later or they become free agents, that's the thing that you can never measure on them, their work discipline, the effort they're giving when they're tired, and the, the, heart, the heart they have.
1: Well, how about Bilal Nichols because uh, this is the man who's really risen. You could say on defense, it's arguably the guy that's been the biggest improvement, and he speaks about that today. What's inside his heart?
3: Uh, Well, pretty much my whole life has been like an underdog type thing. Uh, You know, I've never been the highest recruited guy, uh, never had the most offers I've um, never been a guy I really looked at to be that guy. And, uh, you know, and that and that burnt me and that added a lot of fire into me. And it just made me want to outwork everybody. I always told myself, like, uh, if a guy was better than me, it was just going to be because he was more talented, not because he outworked me. And uh, that's kind of the mindset I live by. And uh, this offseason, I just grinded. I didn't have a year I wanted to have last year, dealt with injuries. So I just grinded, grinded, grinded and uh, I kept my head down and I went no matter the circumstances whether it was a pandemic or whatever I was going to find a way to make things happen and uh you know I think all that you know comes in and that's, that's really the reason why I'm able to play at a high level right now. I didn't cheat the grind. I didn't cheat myself in the off season, And uh, I think it's starting to show.
1: And he's a listener, Tom. He listens to Akeem Hicks. He's put him under his arm and, and, and ushered him through his first three years from the moment he got here. And he listens and he's coachable. And both Mac and Hicks have talked about that today. Uh, very significant. Uh, upgrade this season for Bilal Nichols.
2: Well, you know, Jeff, early in his career, when he first came on the scene at training camp, you and I were standing out at practice one day, and we said, wow, this guy's got traits to be a good defensive lineman, and if everything, you know, adds up over the next couple years, it has added up. His dedication, his work ethic, his information, his listening, his style, his change of ability from inside to outside, and his versatility. So it's something you recognize, but then on the other hand, you say, man, will this pan out? Over the next couple of years, and it's panning out, and he's only scratching the surface ultimately we, what he's going to be.
1: Five sacks, third on the team in quarterback hits, and second uh, in tackles for loss, so he's had a great year. He, hope he continues it against this Jacksonville team. Uh, we're going to find out shortly from uh, Jacksonville's writer, senior writer J.P. Shadrick. He'll join the program, find out who might quarterback this game. I mean, I'm expecting Minshew. But, I hope it's Minshew. You know, the the idea that he's thrown out there is that they're going to split first-team reps with Mike Lennon. That's that's the word from the head coach.
2: Yeah, but, you know, Minshew's like the poor man Baker Mayfield because he's really excited about being the quarterback in Jacksonville. He loves playing the sport. He brings a lot of enthusiasm out there, and he may be taking a beating against Baltimore last week, but he answered the bell and he stood in there. So, you know, I, I, I have respect for him because he is a guy that first – bus on the scene in Jacksonville and said, look, I want to be here. I'm, I want to be this quarterback.
1: Uh, Cordero Patterson uh, did not practice today either. Ekeem Hicks, I fully expect both those guys to play. Uh, Cordero didn't get a lot of offensive snaps after suffering a bit of a tweak to his knee, but he did continue returning kicks.
2: Yeah, you know, he tweaked it on his knee after he caught an outlet pass to the left. You see him go for it in the game, but he did. He came back. He played.
1: All right, we're going to take our first break tonight here on Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Coming up next, J.P. Shadrick. get an insight on the Jacksonville Jaguars on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Jeff Joniak, top there, back with you, along with our special guest, senior reporter for the Jacksonville Jaguars, J.P. Chadrick, will join us now. And, J.P., how you doing tonight? Uh, how are things going? Because i tell you what, uh, while there's 53 guys uh, plus in that locker room and a head coaching staff and uh, all want to win this game and, and put their best foot forward all I I've been just dabbling a little bit listening to Jacksonville radio and podcasts uh, in the last couple of days. They don't want to win. They just they just want the number one pick. So, how's that work in that locker room?
0: It's a scene, man. I'll say that. Uh thanks for having me on, guys. It's, it's great to be with you. And, and it is total opposite mindsets, right? The fan base has never had a number one overall draft pick in Jacksonville's history since 1995. They've had a number two pick a few times, but they've never really been in that position with that pick to get a quarterback that they feel like can be the face of the franchise for 10 or 15 years. Now you can argue also they've missed on not picking guys 8th, ninth, 10th in the draft that ended up being those guys. That's another story altogether. So the fans see this in their hands for the first time ever and are like, oh, we're going to do anything we can to to secure this for the next two weeks. As you guys know, that's not how the NFL mindset works. Coaches um, don't care about that because they might not be here next year. Players don't care about that because with a new regime, a GM change already, and possibly a coaching change, all their jobs are on the table as well. So the, be- the better tape you put out the last two weeks, uh, the-, the-, the better for the player, obviously. And then they're just wired to win games. I know they've lost 13 straight, but they're not just going to lay down. The, pro- the The problem they have, though, is that they might just not be good enough. And if we haven't figured that out by 13 in a row, you might find it out this week.
1: Hey JP, real quick on the quarterback situation because uh, your head coach today saying that he's going to share first team snaps this week and decide—is this a, a bit of gamesmanship, or is there a, a possibility that Glennon could be the starter over Gardner Minshew?
0: I, you know, it's interesting. I'd never have heard of a quarterback competition <laughs> on a one and thirteen team in week sixteen. I'll be honest with you—that's the that's that's first. I've been in the league too. for ten years. Ten years, I've never heard of that, but I think it's fairly real. I think there's a shot Glennon could play. Um, it's really a matter. I think it comes down to tomorrow. Today was more of a walk through day. Tomorrow will be their big install day and scout team, and all that stuff will happen tomorrow. And I think the the guy who has the better reps tomorrow will probably have the advantage going in. Well, they're off Friday. Have the advantage going into Saturday's final practice before the game on Sunday. I don't, you know. If I were to put odds on it, I, I think it's probably 60-40 in favor of Gardner going into the week, and then we'll see how they play. But I don't think it's a that long of a shot for Glennon to get a chance against his old team this week.
2: Hey, J.P., to talk a little bit about the future of Jacksonville and when you think about the idea of playoffs being at the end of the rainbow for these guys eventually, and then you look at the draft position they're in, if they go out there and they bring in a quarterback and they have a horrible offensive line, there's very little chance of him developing and there's a chance of him getting hurt. When you go back and you look at what a, a dominant 10-, 12-year left tackle and the center you know to me is the I was talking about this earlier the best offensive lines I've seen is a dominant left tackle in a really really good center so when you look about the reality of developing this football team that could bring in a new quarterback and have him be healthy at the end of the year i.e. Joe Burrow is it i mean is everybody guaranteed it's a foregone conclusion if they lose the next two games that they're going with Lawrence and there's going to be no other possibility of scouting investigation
0: well, I think you go look, you do your due diligence, but at the end of the day, if you have the number one pick and the best quarterback to come out since Andrew Locke is there and he checks all the boxes on and off the field, I don't care who the GM ends up being, because they're still interviewing people. Uh, you're probably going to go pick that guy. Now I'm with you. Ask the, ask the Indianapolis Colts what they think about what happened to Andrew Luck. They didn't protect him properly over the years there. And it, it, It built up over the years where he was just tired of playing. He was tired of getting beat up all the time. So you get the quarterback because it's so difficult to get that piece. As you in Chicago know, it's very difficult to get that piece and and have him there. But you're far from done at that point. It starts after that with the left tackle, with the interior of the offensive line. Then you can start building on the defense. I think this is where the building of the Jaguars over the last years. has you know maybe gone opposite of where the league has gone. They built a great defense in twenty seventeen, one of the all time greats in this franchise's history, made a playoff run because Blake Bortles played out of his mind and they could run the football. Well that doesn't play for the long term, especially when you're paying free agent guys on defense. So now that you know you gotta keep up and score with people. You gotta score with people and you have to score in this division especially and they have not been able to put that together. So I think the next rebuild which is coming very soon, I think you know, especially if it's the number 1 pick, you get the trigger, like the, the trigger man at that offense and then you build around that, keep him healthy, get some weapons out there which they feel they have some base weapons and then you have something going. And then you can really build on the defensive side and make a complete team. But if you have a chance to get that quarterback, you can do all the due diligence you want, guys, but Trevor will be coming to Jacksonville, in my opinion.
2: All right. So how do you guys create a culture in Jacksonville that when you do bring on these other free agents and these other elements that they don't want to pull the ripcord and try to get out of there within a year or two years? What what do you think is the most important culture builder that's going to create that atmosphere around Jacksonville?
0: That's uh, a great question because they've, they've had so many changes in the last few years around here since that 2017 team that we just talked about, right? And a lot of those guys that were on that team were part of the group that either wanted to get out of here, found a way out. Well, remember in 2017, Tom Coughlin took over as the executive vice president of football operations on top of the GM and the head coach. They both reported to Coughlin. Well, Coughlin has a, a totally old-school approach to player personnel issues and roster management and things of that nature, and it just didn't rub right with the players' union a lot of times. The fine system had some issues here. Well, that got removed from the building, so Coughlin was gone. They tried this year to just have Dave Caldwell, the general manager, and then Doug Marone both report to the owner directly. That didn't work out. All the while, you can get away with that, some of that stuff if you're winning football games, right? If you have a good enough roster to win, you know, seven, eight, nine games, you're flirting with the playoffs, and that, you know, it's the best deodorant, I think as John Madden used to say. But they haven't won them. I mean, they're, they're losing so many games right now, and there's just really no hope. And they were – I, I in, in my opinion, a lot of that stuff happened because they were paying out big contracts to – some players that you can argue probably didn't deserve it that early. Blake Bortles got a second deal here somehow. Yes, he did. Um, Miles Jack got his deal early. Good football player, playing at a Pro Bowl level this year, but he got it a little early. And a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who was putting up sack numbers and sack fumble numbers and impact plays on defense, couldn't you know get a sniff or anything like that. Jalen Ramsey wasn't getting his in time, though it was going to come at some point. Uh, those guys got restless. So winning games, uh, paying the right guys, setting a culture of, of winning, and we're all about football only, I think there was a little bit of that down here too. And it's all it, – it's a lot of it's been washed away already, but there's probably some more change coming on the horizon.
1: All right, JP, I, I wanted to get in to ask you about James uh, Robinson real quick, a local guy yeah. here, but we are out of time. So we got to – we'll we oh, just no. trust you that – He's uh, he's he's a fiery guy that uh, got overlooked in the draft. So we're happy for his success. Uh, thank you so much for yeah. joining us. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and good luck with the uh, with the grind here.
0: Appreciate it, guys. And yeah, quickly, Robinson did not practice today. I would expect him to play Sunday. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Thanks. JP. All right, thank you, JP Shadrick, Jacksonville Jaguars senior reporter. Let's take a break. This is Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. Welcome back everybody to bears Alt access is brought to you by IGS energy, Jeff Joniak and Tom fair. This segment of bears Alt access is brought to you by Microsoft surface and CDW people who get it. Learn more at CDW.com. We are going to be listening to the sounds of Cairo Santos coming up at the bottom of the hour. <laughs> Before we do that though, Matt Nagy pretty ticked off today, Tommy, how that Roquan Smith got a pro bowl snub. You want to really know my reaction. I'm not going to give you my real reaction. Um, I'm just not
3: going to, I'll just leave it at that. This guy leads the NFL in solo tackles and he leads linebackers and tackles for loss. I don't think anything else has to be said. I could go on and on about that one. I'm going to leave it just at that. I think it's uh, it's that uh, this guy is an absolute stud. And for him to be left off is just, uh, just simply not right.
2: Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing that he's not on the all that the Pro Bowl team. But you know what? The Pro Bowl is kind of nonsense because half of those guys would be opting out if they had to go in the Pro Bowl and play anyways, and then Roquan Smith would eventually make it up onto the Pro Bowl team. But it's about all pro, and I still think Roquan Smith deserves to be named all pro. And I think that's the highest altar nowadays that you can stand on in terms of uh, team season postseason awards because when you're playing at a Pro Bowl level, it's different than playing in first, second, third year, all pro or pro bowl level. All pro is what you want to do.
1: Right. There's only two inside linebackers on the NFC rosters for the pro bowl. So it's Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner. Fred Warner, an outstanding player he's for stunned. the 49ers. Yeah, really, really. He's, he's serious. And, and Wagner's had a great reputation, obviously, in Seattle. But uh, you can make a case, strong, strong case for Roe indi- You
2: You just indicted everybody. Wagner's got a strong reputation Roquan Smith is showing a new level of linebacker play from covering backs out of the backfield tight ends off the line of scrimmage he's blitzing he's got tackles for loss he's leading the NFL in, in tackle and in solo tackles so I mean there's a, he's got the list of credentials to make it to the pro bowl
1: right and uh you know it's a, it's not only that just the way he's leading you know he's running the show He has made a big advancement in that regard. A couple of young players to keep an eye on in that regard as uh, their leadership abilities that started in college and knew that they would have an opportunity to open that umbrella here at the NFL level. He's one of them, and so is David Montgomery. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Bears kicker Cairo Santos. He's coming up next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, good to be with you on Bears All Access, abbreviated version tonight, Bulls basketball, coming up at 6.45 with Chuck Sworski and Bill Wennington. Pleased to be joined now by Bears kicker Cairo Santos. Thanks for taking some time out. Cairo, how are you feeling?
3: Hey, Jeff, uh, feeling great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to chat with you guys.
1: Yeah, good to good to have you along. Good to have you along. So, uh, what I mean are you? If you could put into context, how much fun you're having right now? I mean, you, you're feeling great. You're 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 having a successful season. Things are looking up for the team in all three phases. You're still in the hunt. I mean, there's ten teams already knocked out of this thing, so you guys are still playing for a lot. Uh, where are you at mentally right now?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think Maggie uh, described it great when uh, he. He talked to us after the last game against Minnesota. He said, it feels like we're having three seasons in one with everything that mm-hmm. the roller coaster that here has been, how it started, that middle phase, and, and now making this push. And we feel there's something uh, left to be done. We've got two games, an opportunity to make a run here, and how we've battled through everything this year. I feel like we're we're due to have that opportunity to uh, make a special run here and, uh, and sneaking in a playoffs so that's our goal and uh and for myself i'm just glad to be uh you know involved in the uh, in these moments to to help the team win and uh to find my groove again uh, the one that i never lost belief in uh and it, myself i had a roller coaster last couple of years and uh and just enjoying hitting those strides that i used to to um have early in my career
2: hey cairo when you talk about the rhythm that i think every sport's Person is trying to achieve whether it's a beautiful jump shot, whether it's a golfer at the tee hitting a beautiful rhythm tee shot. The other day in the game in Minnesota, I was watching your rhythm and it looks perfect. But how much is it a relief to you that you don't ever have to think about your rhythm because the snap and the hold is going to be so perfect?
3: It's huge, and maybe it goes unnoticed um, for for. People just just so used to having these two guys, you know, um, Pat O'Donnell, Pat Scales, just uh, you know how how good they are. And I I was kind of laughing to myself uh, earlier this week because like maybe I should practice kicking with the laces uh, every now and then because I I never see him with those two guys. but if I if I do see him, I, I just don't know how I'd react. It would just be such a shock and a surprise. Uh, that maybe I'll I'll start doing that just in case because it it's so perfect that the the ball almost uh is teed up for me and I I just have to uh just trust on myself which you know it takes uh, a huge part of the equation when you look at everything that has to go into for uh, uh you know to put the ball through the uprights and so just super thankful and, and these guys they uh, they deserve big praise too
2: yeah, they do. You know, you talk about your rhythm and your preparation because in order to get into the rhythm, you guys have to go out and you have to have you have to feel perfect. So you've had a couple colder weather kicking games in Soldier Field. You had perfect conditions last week in Minnesota, 61 degrees and sunny in Jacksonville. What's different about you? getting ready to get into your rhythm when you're going out to a cold atmosphere, you're going out to an indoor nice atmosphere, or you're going into the atmosphere that you'll be going into in Jacksonville?
3: Um, and and it definitely, I think it changes from from um, one element to the other. As you mentioned, uh, these last three games, uh, and you just have to I, – I take the pregame um, differently for all – those three uh, scenarios in the colder, I think I warm up more, uh, just you know, to get the body going, and I think the leg is a bit s- slower. Um, so you have to just get your body going, and um, I have even had a uh, that last game uh, I think uh, at home, um, I, oh against Houston, uh, it was cold, and I wore these thick uh, compression uh, leggings, and I feel like as I was warming up it was restricting my motion. So I was like, man, this doesn't – it's, it's like, like you mentioned, the rhythm. is just like my leg swing feels shorter. Uh, the pop is not on the ball like it normally is. So I ran to the locker room, changed to a, a thin, like the warm weather. So my legs were, were pretty cold during the game. I had to keep them in the heater. Um, but my leg, I just gained that extra whatever inch of flexibility that, boom, I was – uh, able to pound kickoffs and, and longer field goals and warm ups uh like I expected to, so had to make that uh, adjustment there and uh and then go take into an indoor game where you know have to really work both ends uh, of the, the the field as far as to test the wind on both ends so i warm ups are shorter uh the leg feels fresher. i feel like um the, you know it takes just it's more about quality and not quantity there just you know ends on ending on good balls and um and, and you know taking it to a good weather place in and, and Jacksonville, good grass. It's just, it it, it just made kinda it just makes a lot of fun to just be outside. You know, I I enjoyed, you know, testing the wind at different stadiums and, and having that challenge and then playing on short Bermuda grass. I feel like the ball is just teed up super nice for you and you can get nice pop on it. So um and everything just kinda have to go into like a golfer, you know, that tests different greens, different grass. Uh, how they were going to roll the ball, attack and stuff. But, um, there's a lot that goes into it, but the, at the end of the day, you just can't, at the same time, not think about it too much once the game actually started and and, and going. You have to trust all the routine and process that you put in uh, and, and countless reps uh, and just trust that muscle memory that, that it's all going to work out.
1: Cairo Santos, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score, with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Hey, you played one game there in your career, I believe. You had an extra point boot against uh, the Jaguars there, but uh, so it'll be a bit of an adjustment. Uh, these teams don't play each other very often. But I, w- I want to bring up the fact that you had a 15-point game last week against the Vikings, so that's making seven kicks with your extra points, and it pushed you over 100 points for the season. This is the fourth time in your career now. you got 105 and, and a couple of games to go yet. Uh, given that those first three years were all back-to-back-to-back 100s and what you've gone through, what does that figure mean to you? Because they they needed these 105 points, especially this year, because the offense, you know, was slow to grow.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, points, uh, you know, you always see kickers being, I think, the highest scores of, of teams, but uh, when I think – when you've had uh, games play out like we've had, you know, short game games or um, short difference in, in scores between the two teams, and uh, both teams not scoring, so anytime you get an opportunity, you feel like you've got to come out with points there, just because uh, you know there's not many situations being played out that you can score. Um, so it just feels like the importance, um, my importance, in it for the team and, and, and how these games have been played out uh is is uh, is high and, and as a kicker and, and kind of the guy that I I I am now you know where the point of my career that I want to uh be put out there to kind of regain uh, all, all that the those reps that I've missed in the last couple of years and and the reputation um I'm asking for those opportunities and and, and hope to um just be the delivered in the way that I I believe that I can deliver so uh, it's been it's been amazing to to be a part of this team this year um in and in, in, in the big picture for me just to, you know like I mentioned just to get back into the uh, the the guy that I was um, early in my career that had that continuity um with Kansas City year in year out just scoring a lot uh putting you know, important kicks big kicks uh, for my team uh, you know every year so uh, we've had the opportunity to do that and it's been uh been a blessing. Been very thankful to to be back at it again. Hey
2: Cairo, and the big kicks you've had this year. Once you get into the huddle, are you untouchable? Is there anybody that's talking to you? It <laughs> stay. What, what's your mojo there in terms of your relationship with the other guys? Because kickers are unique.
3: Yeah, I, I, I try to stay back, and, and, and I think uh, Tabe's approach, uh, you know, Chris Tabe, our special teams coach's approach is a uh, is a uh, is very laid back as well. He he he's gotten to know me and, and see what kind of approach um I like to do and then it gets to crunch time and uh and, and, and he does just a a great job just, just saying the right things at the right time. You know, he came to me and he's come to me before, um when the games are kinda of approaching that way, that's like, okay, like, you know, could be a kick there just you know, just to me just to like stay locked in and stay focused on 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 opportunities and points and, and and because we knew that how the Minnesota game, the okay, we're getting the ball back, and 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 they weren't scoring, and we just had to kind of keep putting points to eliminate, you know, to create that ten point difference or that six point difference to uh, make it difficult for them to make a comeback. And and so, and then he just says that, and he knows to walk away. He doesn't need to coach me on technique or on on those things because uh, he knows uh, I, I I take care of that. And and it's just. It, it's rhythm. To me, it's just at that time, just, you got to trust the process on everything and just trust my my r- rhythm, and, and it, it feels like a practice rep when uh, when you kind of simplify everything in your head just to focus on feelings and not technique.
1: Kyra, we're going to let you go. Uh, appreciate your time as always. Good luck in Jacksonville, and uh, keep the dream alive, right? Uh, you've had a heck of a year, and uh, let it keep going strong. Appreciate you, man.
3: Thank you. Enjoy, Thanks, you guys. Kyle. Have a good night.
1: All right, you too. Cairo Santos. Hey, Bears fans, when shopping for your game day celebrations, don't forget to pick up your favorite variety of Lay's potato chips and Tostitos. Tostitos and Lay's are an essential part of the game day tradition and the official chip of your Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Tom, final thoughts on the Jaguars. What are you expecting?
2: You know, don't take them lightly. They have some big playability. They're going to take some chances, and they have a good running back that wants to prove something to all of the state of Illinois.
1: Yeah, they got good linebackers like JP Shadrick said, Miles Jack is somebody to consider, Joe Schobert. Those guys are the second level playing well, but uh, the defensive numbers not good across the board most importantly in points allowed, yards allowed, they are in tough situations there. They have a totally new secondary, a lot of young guys. Offensively, they're going to start establish that run for sure with James Robinson, healthy or not. That'll be the case. Should be fun. Tom, we'll talk down the radio on Sunday, 9 a.m. pregame, noon kickoff. That's all the time we have. Thanks for our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Brilly, and Jordan Malley, and thank you for listening. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Have a great night, everybody.